Welcome to the Seed Time Living Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Lodic. Hope you are doing really well. And today I want to talk about my seven financial rules that we follow in our house. And there's probably a few more than this, but these were the seven main ones that I could come up with. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. This originally started as a video over on YouTube. And so you can watch that if you want to check that out. But, uh, but the gist of this is I, I just kind of want to share these in hopes that maybe this might give you some ideas of uh, rules that maybe you should implement in your own house. And I'd love to hear from you what rules you have um, that I don't mention here that you think would be great ones to follow or that you follow. And so definitely let me know what your rules are. So you can hit me up over on Twitter at Seatime. Reach me over on the website, seatime.com. And I would just love to hear from you. So with all that out of the way, let's get to it. All right, we're going to talk about my personal set of financial rules that I follow. And these are things I've picked up over the years from mentors or from books that I've read or just other good ideas that I've tried to kind of implement into my life. And so these are seven that I follow. And there's actually probably a whole bunch more, but these were the only seven I could come up with. So that's what we're going to go with. And first on the list for me is to have no debt. That's just a rule in our house. And it's taken a while to get there because we actually paid off all of our personal debt. We had about $46,000 worth of debt. Got all that paid off and then we focused on paying off our mortgage and then we paid off our mortgage and then we went back into debt and got another mortgage and take it from me once you have a paid off mortgage the amazing feeling that that provides to go back and get a mortgage after that it's just not a good idea and so once we got our mortgage paid off again we decided we are never going back into debt and even with the business like i'm choosing not to take on any debt with our business and just really focus on doing things 100 percent debt free if you've ever been in a lot of debt yourself and gotten it paid off you know the feeling of how good it feels and you also probably know what the bible talks about about the borrower being servant to the lender and how it really feels like that when you have a whole bunch of debt and so if you know that feeling of how good it is you won't want to go back to it and that's kind of where I've been. And at first when you hear this, it kind of sounds absurd. And I did a more thorough video going into this whole idea and this concept that I'll link to up above if you wanna check it out. But the gist is this, that I wanna buy things used at a, as low a price as I possibly can. And then when I'm done with them, I wanna sell them for the same amount, if not more. And you might initially be thinking that this is impossible and you can't do that. But the reality is that you can. I first discovered this in college when I was buying textbooks for school. So at first I went to school and I would go buy the textbooks brand new. And then at the end of the year, I would sell them off at a much lower rate. But then I realized that I could buy them used at the beginning of the year and then sell them at the end of the year. And sometimes I was actually making a profit by doing so. And so then I began asking myself, how can I do this on other purchases? And so one of my proudest moments came when I bought a used car from a family member for $1,000. And then I ended up selling that car five years later for the same price that I paid. And with all the different ways to buy used items and to sell used items these days, really, you can pull this off with a lot of different things. All right, next on the list is that we don't have a budget limit when it comes to giving. And over the years, Lynn and I have just seen God do some miraculous things in our finances. And I've just come to the conclusion that we cannot outgive God. And so while we do have a pretty strict budget that we stick to, this budgeting category is one that I am always looking to go over on. And I don't mind if we do at all. As long as we're not bouncing checks, uh, I'm happy to be giving over and above what we've budgeted. And next on the list, this one also involves giving. And this one is to always give gifts that are better than what I would buy 
buy for myself. And this is one that I've learned over the years from different mentors and from pastors. And I really like this approach of being as frugal as possible with my own expenditures while being lavish in my gift giving. And hopefully you've gotten to experience something like this, but it's always really fun when someone gives you something and it's just really great. You know, I really like what Mary did in John 12, where she took this really expensive perfume that was worth a year's wages, and she just poured it all over Jesus' feet. And she could have just used regular soap or something like that, or even a cheaper kind of thing to wash his feet, but she just wanted to give him the absolute best. I don't know, something about that just feels really good to me, and that's something I want to do with my gift giving when at all possible. All right, the next rule that we have in our house is to give until it hurts. And I would call this sacrificial giving or I would call this giving not just out of your surplus, but I've noticed in our lives that God has just continued to stretch us in our giving. And this has been a really, really fun and challenging thing. And the most recent stretch that the Lord has kind of brought us on is to give our age as a percentage of our income. And so currently I'm 38 years old and so we have been giving 38% of our income. Now, I'm not at all saying that everybody should do that, but this is what the Lord's led us to do. And so everybody has to make up their own mind about what they're supposed to give. This is what the Bible says. And I have a blog post on this. So if you want to find out more about our whole story and how we got to this, you can check that out. But at the end of the day, I think this is one of our most important financial rules that we are continually trying to stretch ourselves in our giving, even when it hurts and even when it's challenging. You know, and the reason here is that Jesus said it's more blessed to give. And as someone who's had the opportunity to be able to give a lot, like it's been really, really fun. And I can't tell you how blessed it has been to be able to do that. Additionally, the Bible says that when we do that, we're storing up treasures in heaven. And that's a really amazing thing to think about if you can actually take that out of just the scripture and think about the reality of what that actually means. All right, now next on our list is that when I do spend money, I want to enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. Because in this interconnected world that we all live in, it's really easy for us to see all the problems all over the world and to just feel guilty about ever spending any money on ourselves. And we actually have a biblical command in 1 Timothy 6 to enjoy our money. And I go into a lot more detail on this in another video I did about 10 things American Christians should do with their money. So I'll have that linked up above for you to check out as well. And the last one is super specific, but I think really, really valuable. And the gist of it is that I like to buy Japanese cars that are two to three years old and then drive them for 10 years. And this is a lesson I learned from my millionaire mentor. And I did another video about some of the things I learned from him that you can check out if you want more. But the reason behind this, the logic behind this is that generally Japanese cars, so think like Toyotas, think Hondas, they generally hold their value really well. They generally are very reliable and they generally make for a high value car purchase. Now, as far as buying them two to three years old, the reason behind this is because you lose so much depreciation over those first couple years. I've seen some stats that show that you might lose 30 to 40% of the car value over the first three years of ownership. So when I buy a car, I just view it as an opportunity to get like a 25 to 35% discount just by buying a car that's two to three years old. You know, and in many cases, cars like this still have some new car smell to them. So they can feel very, very new if you buy one that someone is taken care of and you save yourself a ton of money on depreciation. And the value just goes down and down. And that's why I generally shoot for a 10 year time frame with the cars that I own. And since I've been married, we've done this with at least two or three of our car purchases and it has worked out really well so far. Now, being completely honest with you, the last purchase that I bought just last year, I bought a Jeep Wrangler that did not at all kind of fit the criteria here, but I still was trying to get a car that had a lot of that depreciation shaved off. I ended up buying a Jeep Wrangler that was 15 years old, so a whole lot of that depreciation had rubbed off. And back to the previous point, 
of always trying to buy make a profit off of what we bought. Like I'm gonna have to sell this Wrangler next year because our family is growing and get a bigger one. And I'm really hoping that I can get as close to break even, if not profitable on this Wrangler when I sell it. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And if you haven't already, head over to seedtime.com so you can get your free e-course from us that'll help you master your money using biblical principles. It'll help you save more, help you earn more, and just to begin to get an understanding of what the Bible says about money and how all these pieces intersect. But that's all we have for today. So have a great rest of your day and we will chat soon.